0: Alright, we are back running with the money. Week four college football season. Matt Gothard and Kent Brown, guys, thanks for, for coming back. We had a nice, nice week. Hope you guys are doing well.
1: It was an amazing week, man. I'm so glad that we finally hit the moneymaker.
0: <laughs>
1: well, I gotta be honest, Kent. I mean we were
0: you know, we were down after after the last week. It was kinda interesting and, and I feel a little guilty. Maybe like I cheated a little bit. No, not really. I mean, I'm just glad we won. But Alabama, that is just, um, wow, that was the easiest win we've had all year. And I got to give you credit because you pointed us in the right direction.
2: Yeah, as soon as I saw that line, I figured, okay, here's a little Christmas present to those who listen to the show, Christmas present to those who I text, and more importantly, Christmas present to myself, just making sure you get on that line. And I said, plain and simple, this line looks at least 10 points off. As it turns out, it was about 30 points (laughs) off. If Alabama wanted to score 80, they could have scored 80. And I know what you're saying, the whole cheat code. Is Alabama giving points, the cheat code, week in and week out? It has been through three weeks, and it's good to be back on the winning side when it comes to the moneymaker. Two and one on the season now. If we can keep that pace, that would be very nice the rest of the season.
0: Remember when we were freaking out about a point? Last week when we were like, no, just take the extra point. I think it was mostly you, Matt, whenever we... Yeah, should
2: it be (laughs) 21 and a half? I I, I wasn't freaking out. Unless it would have been 31 and a half or even higher, I thought I felt really good about that one. Yeah,
0: 31 and a half. We might have lost that first half line. I don't know. And
2: Ole Miss scores on the first play. They have a touchdown, I think, at 75 yards. And then after that, nothing. I think they had five first downs. They could not complete a pass. And Alabama nearly put up 50 at the half, so it was a fun one. It's good to have one of those every once in a while, and it's good that we told everybody who listens, pick this, make some money, and if you didn't, I don't feel bad for you, because we gave you that advice. you got to listen.
0: We don't, we don't, and I think this was the last week that we kind of took advantage of the Alabama just not catching up to the Lions. I think now, the rest of the year, they're going to be overwhelming favorites. They still will probably cover a lot of their games, but... This was the last week of just how dominant it is, Alabama, and uh, I think we kind of took advantage of a market that wasn't exactly correct. But we're going to get to the moneymaker at the end of the show. Not as easy this week. We're going to have to hash it out on air. We don't have something in particular, so that's going to be fun. Don't miss that. Before we recap, though, uh, an interesting week three in the college football season, wanted to uh, bring your attention to something else that I know we've got some opinions on. That's that fan duel mess. Matt, I know you were tuned in on this and essentially what happened if I have this correctly is that Denver and Oakland were playing a game and there was a big big mistake in the line Denver was about to kick a game-winning 36-yard field goal and the numbers were way off it basically turned into plus 500 or maybe even plus 5,000 I don't have the specific numbers in front of me Matt but there was a market uh, issue there was something wrong with the betting lines people took advantage of it in a small 30-second window and now FanDuel won't pay won't pay these astronomical winnings that pretty much shouldn't have been set, but were set anyway. So, I think I have some of the specifics, Matt. I know you saw this. You're, you're uh, someone that follows FanDuel. What was your takeaway from what happened and ultimately FanDuel's decision not to pay uh, for their mistake?
1: Yeah, I mean, so so just to kind of clarify some of the numbers, they were down nineteen to seventeen. And uh, Denver was—they had them as a 750 to one underdog to win the game. The the kicker to this whole thing um, is that the guy made the bet in person. He placed it over a counter. He made a hundred and ten dollar bet um, to win eighty two thousand five hundred from the counter at Meadowlands Racetrack. So that means like he went through a person. And uh, and after this was when they were still losing. So Broncos were still losing seventeen to nineteen. And, uh, supposedly Denver was supposed to be a minus 600 favorite at the time. Um, but the odds that FanDuel was offering both in person and online were, um, I believe plus eight, eight, or I don't know, something that would, you could bet a hundred to win 80,000. And so this guy and a couple other people put, took advantage of it and he did it in person and put $110 down, you know, to win the 80. And uh, after the game was over, he went up to cash it, and, and they said no. But we'll offer you $500 and some Giants tickets. If that's not the sketchiest thing I've ever heard in in the history of gambling, uh, that's up there, you know. And and I, a lot of people, you know, like Scott Van Pelt, are saying that uh, you know it's an obvious mistake. These people are trying to take advantage of the system, but. I'm coming from a totally different standpoint. Of this is such an embarrassment for the sports betting community that FanDuel is going to go ahead and blame the the people placing wagers on bets that they're they're offering these lines. So it's just actually a a, a hit on their legitimacy. I don't think as a, as a gambler I would ever go through FanDuel now knowing that they would change a, a line halfway through. So anyway, Kent, that's kind of the uh, lowdown on what happened. I, I'd love to what you guys have to say about it
2: this is why two things you bet with a bookie because generally speaking especially one you trust you'll pay when you lose and they'll pay when they lose on the other hand at first i was going to follow up and say was this some sort of hacking situation but from what you're saying it if it's humans giving you the bet that does change the way the whole dynamics work where if it's somebody hacking into a algorithm on FanDuel and then therefore you're making your money I can see how they can justify look we didn't do it we were hacked and therefore we're not paying these 800 to 1 type of bets but if it's somebody handing over a ticket and then you cashing that ticket back in that does become I'm sure this could become a very big legal issue this also kind of reminds me of you hear those stories like somebody checks their bank account and there's like $8 million in their bank account or $500,000 and they clearly didn't earn it, but then they go and spend all the money and then people come after them and say, hold up, that wasn't your money, now you need to pay it back. And it's like, well, somebody put that in my account. It kind of is. I don't know how it gets there, but it's the same premise. If somebody screwed up and you took advantage of it and you weren't the one hacking the system or cheating it, that falls on them. It shouldn't fall on you as a consumer. So." It's a weird situation for sure, but I have to think unless they can prove that that person that gave the ticket over was incompetent or was cheating or something like that, I don't see how the consumer here doesn't have a good argument.
0: I have just a couple brief things to say, Matt. I I get where you're coming from, and I get where, where it is. It was a mistake, and it does make the sports betting community look bad regardless of whether or not that line, which was utterly ridiculous that it even got to that point. But it got to that point. And people were able to take advantage of it. But this is something to point out. Sports gambling, we talk about it. We all love it. It's it's making a, making a rise. It's not totally illegal anymore, but it's not federal. So what that means is essentially that each book, each state has different rights and different terms. And it, in my mind, would be easy, as sleazy as it would be, for them to say, no, we don't have to pay you. This was clearly a mistake. So I understand that it sucks and that it someone took advantage like taking advantage of a, of a stock market so to speak when it does something crazy but i, I just i i think this is going to result in a way where they're not going to have to pay out and it sucks it's unfortunate but i just think that they don't i'm i'm going to have a tough time believing that they have to pay that they're going to eventually give away the money that the guy claimed he want unfortunately matt i think that's where we're going to go
1: yeah i just hope that they can figure out a way to make this you know seem like a legitimate fix because if if the books in the united states are not ready to take bets then what is the reason to go through the united states still it's kind of like you know everybody's probably set up in their own system anyway who is going to put down big money so why would i put my big money in in a system that is not ready so i I guess that's my main point but um but yeah i I hear what you guys are saying and i'm sure they won't end up paying but it's just a frustrating start to what seemed to be such a happy beginning but uh let's let's get on to some happier stuff Let's let's
0: definitely do that. Uh, it was an interesting week three in college football. Want to talk about some good and some bad. Uh, there were some interesting ones, too. I think I, one of the ones I want to talk about is that late night Pac-12 game, Washington beating Utah. We were talking about that line and what it looked like. And it ended up being Washington relatively easy covering the points that they need to winning by double digits, but also going low. Kent, we talked about how the under was a big play. So I hope you guys took advantage of that out there listening because Washington with that defense looks like they're going to be very tough in conference play.
2: Washington's also one of those type of teams, and this is good to know as a better, that they don't need to score 40 points to justify a win. Some teams are always trying to add two or three extra touchdowns, which is great as long as you know it, then you look at the overs. But for Washington, there's going to be a lot of games potentially where they limit a team to 10 points or 13 or 7, and maybe they only score 23 or 27. And so if their over unders kind of hover around the 40s or 50s, and you're seeing that with the Arizona State game this week, that over unders at 50 and a half. Both teams have played pretty good defense this year. That's probably not a bad under bet. Another late night Pac 12 game. The other thing that was weird was the Washington, I should say the Arizona State game, that ended Ooh. with a targeting call that San Diego State hit a guy. They reviewed the play, realized he didn't catch the football, and instead of Arizona State being first and goal at the two, all of a sudden they're 15 yards up at the 35. So there's a bunch of people joking that say it's the first targeting call that won a team a game, but it kind of is. It's a weird situation where without the targeting they don't review it, and Arizona State is two yards away from tying the game up. So that was a weird whole subplot that happened at the end of that game down in San Diego.
0: And How about, Matt, LSU? I know you were very, very happy with that result, LSU beating Auburn on the road. And another under bet that hits, and barely hits, might I add, because there was a two-point conversion play that took place where, just to set it out, most of us got it around the 44, 45 mark. LSU going for two to tie at 21 late. That basically says you're not going to get it because somebody would have had to kick a field goal or win in overtime. So with that two-point conversion stopped. LSU gets the ball back and leads that long drive. Bailed out by a lot of Auburn penalties, but LSU, Coach O again going on the road and and winning as an outright underdog.
2: Yeah, that was one that was a close over-under. Oklahoma State against Boise State that we loved that over. Terrible first quarter. That ended up hitting by a half a point, depending on when you got it. If you waited till game day, you might have missed by a half a point. So that number was very spot on, and a lot of times it really is when you can get your bet in because some of these over-unders fluctuate I mean, I know even talking to you, Mitch, last night, you and a couple of our friends, you guys want the USC over on Friday night against Washington State. That went from 53 already to 51. So in the last Mm. 12 hours, that's gone down a couple points. So in theory, had you waited, you would have gotten a better bet. So it's always weird to know exactly. And this is where the Sharps know more than most. They wait till those numbers are perfect, and then they jump at it.
0: The only thing I'll say is I don't know what the – quote-unquote juices right now on that 51. But 53 was even, which is kind of a rarity to see as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I, I do like, and Matt, I'll, I'll bring this into you, under bets are way more uncomfortable than overs. You find yourself standing up screaming no at the TV nonstop. But I think the other part of it, too, is you're never out of the woods. It doesn't matter. You can't clinch an under bet early in the game and just celebrate and take the fourth quarter off.
1: I just, I'm always, always against taking the under, except for I feel like you always win when you take the under. Um, So it's just kind of, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week about betting for entertainment versus an investment and kind of really knowing the teams and not just hoping for touchdowns. Um, Back to the, really quick, back to the one thing you said about LSU, you know, that game, I know it made me a lot of money, but it actually makes me super happy for another reason is that they're going to be way overrated when they play Alabama at home. Uh, And so I'm going to be able to make quite a bit of money on Alabama that game. LSU looked okay, but I mean, they they squeaked that one out. So um, I'm just going to keep that in my back
2: pocket. And the one thing you just mentioned about under, and I'll say this as we keep doing this podcast and we get into college basketball season, I do not bet unders in college basketball. I've had I've been burned way <laughs> too they just many fall times for the last five minutes. Right. Unlike hit. the NBA where if you're down seven with a minute left, you just kinda of back off and let the clock run out. In college hoops there's this whole thing about we don't give up, we're amateurs, our kids are gonna fight to the end. There's teams that are down thirteen points that keep fouling and then all of a sudden I bet a game one time, a pit Yukon Big East Monday night game where it was like number one Yukon against like number six pit. A gigantic game. There were three minutes left in the game. I was 25 points under, and I bet the under, and it still went over in (laughs) regulation. And it was all due to fouls, layups. Because think about it. You give the fouls, and then the other team goes, okay, we'll trade eight seconds for a layup, and we'll make our free throws. So when it comes to college football, I don't mind betting unders or the NFL. But when it comes to college hoops, I've been burned way too many times. So unders are not part of my vocabulary when it comes to college basketball. With college football, I love them if I think it's going to hit.
0: Yeah, Kentucky Davidson was the tournament game last year where there was free throw fouling down ten for the last two minutes. Where the over hit, and I'm with you again. I like unders sometimes are an uncomfortable bet. You just got to stay away from overtime because that's where they'll get you. One other thing I want to bring up about last week, Kent, you were dead on with your assessment of a pedestrian potential performance for Notre Dame. If they squeaked that one out, it was not pretty. Vanderbilt had those chances to win. And a bonus is maybe we can set the odds on a Derek Mason-Brian Kelly fight. I think that could – I don't really like Coach Kelly's chances. I don't know if he fights dirty, but he's going to need to.
2: Yeah, that's a weird story in that Brian Kelly called out Derek Mason and his staff are basically not illegal plays, but just doing unwarranted chop blocks when you shouldn't be doing them to a tight end that's kind of engaged off the line. And then Derek Mason followed up and said,
0: "Hey, Catch look, outside. yeah,
2: this is what we're gonna do. If you want to talk about it, you know where to find me." And yeah, I wouldn't like Brian Kelly's. If those odds came out, Derek Mason would be the favorite in that one. But yeah, Notre Dame right now, the defense plays well, but they're getting tired. They don't have a lot of depth right now. They're just not playing backup linebackers at all. Ball State at ninety-seven plays against them. I believe Vanderbilt was up in the eighties or nineties. Wake Forest is a team that they're gonna want to get a hundred plays on offense. I'm not saying Notre Dame loses a game again, but I do think it's going to be close because if you don't put the depth in at linebacker and you're giving up 80, 90 snaps, you're going to wear down in the fourth quarter. And let's be real, Brandon Wimbush, he is what he is. You know, when you look at him as a passer, Brandon Wimbush to me, if Notre Dame wants him to be a drop back passer, he can maybe complete some downfield throws, but he's not going to be consistent. That would be basically like you recruit a dual threat quarterback and then you tell him just drop back and don't run that limits what you're going to do so again I I was not shocked that Notre Dame survived Vandy I will not be shocked if they survive Wake Forest this week but overall maybe the better bet is to take the other team in the second half line when Notre Dame starts to wear down because if you look the last three weeks in the second half they have not put up any points and the defense has worn down
0: right Uh, those are all good points and I just want to also say, Matt, that I think the only way I would take Kelly in that fight is if he has Oscar De La Hoya promoting him.
1: I think the only way I would take Kelly in that <laughs> fight is if he didn't coach for Notre Dame.
0: <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm still a little bitter, man, about that boxing match. But we'll go into college. Uh. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go into college football. It was, uh, it was a great fight on Saturday. But there is some interesting running with the money week four now lines that we got to get to. And it starts on Friday, which I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of been waiting for some bigger, some bigger tilts on Friday. I think we're getting to that point where this is a nice, for the first time in the year, solid slate of games. And I'll lead off with this, Kent, because I know you have a lot of things to say. None of them nice about Penn State, <laughs> but they play Illinois and they're four touchdown favorites. And this is Penn State that's been really Jekyll and Hyde all year. Illinois blew a game last week against south florida do they bounce back and and cover this or does penn state just come to town and just take care of business four touchdowns is a lot even for mcsorley and franklin
2: the one thing that would make me feel like maybe penn state doesn't cover is the fact that they have ohio state next week if they're up 37 to 10 with 12 minutes left i don't think they're going to be looking at let's cover the line so overall i can see them resting some guys in the fourth quarter if it's a gigantic lead and maybe illinois covers that way overall though james franklin in this offense i think the defense is not that good but the offense is really good trace mcsorley's been great he's always one of the best quarterbacks on third down and for illinois there's just not a lot of talent there so when i look at this matchup I guess I would lean towards saying I would take the 27 and a half just because that is a lot of points. But Penn State's probably scoring at least 40, if not 45. So does Illinois match and get in the 20s? Maybe they do. But overall, for Penn State, the bigger question is if they're up late, they're going to start resting guys because you need them healthy for Ohio State next week. I don't think James Franklin's going to be that worried if they only win by 20.
0: Yeah, and I'm and I'm impressed that she didn't take any swipes at Penn State there. That was good. <laughs> no, not at all.
2: They're they're the most honorable institution <laughs> That's there. That's good. Is.
0: That's good. All right. Uh, FAU plays another game that night against Central Florida, the aforementioned Central Florida team that we were kind of discussing before we started, but Matt, this over under is what people are talking about. It's jumped seven points since it originally opened. Sixty nine to seventy six and a half. And as people that profited off of FAU in the past it's a little scary for me. I, I, I haven't been drinking the Lane Kool-Aid as much as I would have hoped right now. It's tasting a little like bleach.
1: Well, dude, they're playing the national champions. So this is going to be a high-profile <laughs> high game, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I feel like I'd probably take the under on that. I feel like everybody's probably saying, you know, you see this game, you think, oh, defense is not going to be there. Probably the overhits. It's Friday night. But I, I can see the – I don't know. I got a feeling for the under that's – and I have no real reason why. I don't really watch Florida Atlantic, to be honest. I just don't like it jumping seven points like
0: this. I think that's kind of scary. And, and we're assuming that if it's going to be a high-scoring game that both teams are going to show up, that's a lot of points. And I just I feel a little worried. But can't, the game that, that's got us all going is USC-Washington State. I'm going. I'm going to be there. I'm going to see firsthand my, my dreams go into smithereens. So looking forward to that game. I'll say this part. I think college football, there's some great teams, there's some bad teams. There's a lot of teams that are in the middle that are mediocre to slightly above average. And I think you get a lot of teams that have to bounce back and save their season. USC has looked putrid. Texas pushed them around in the second half of that game. But I got to think if there's any salvation in their season, it's going to have to come this week against an untested Washington State team who we have no data of because they haven't really played anybody. I like SC to cover here three and a half points. It dropped from about four and a half when it opened. I just think SC, that over at 53 and a half, which we talked about, I think SC has to and will show up on Friday.
2: If they don't, they're in some real trouble because Mm -hmm. if you look at this game, it needs to be a win. They're generally really good at home. I think Clay Helton's won, I believe, 19 straight at home as a head coach or USC as a program at least. And Washington State, you mentioned, they're untested. They're a team that... Okay, they normally compete well against good Pac-12 teams, but against teams that need to the win, they generally lose. Every time they've played Washington in the Apple Cup over the last few years, when they've needed to win that game, they lose. And for USC, there, this is desperate times. If they lose their 1-3, and three, they still have a bunch of tough teams on the schedule. It might be hard to get back six or seven wins. If you bounce back here, you're 2-3, you win your first conference game, I think, not that it's, as you said, it's salvation. It's certainly trying to build some forgiveness, saying, look, we lost to Texas. You know, we lost week two, but we're a better team than what we've looked like. And for USC, I think overall, losing to Stanford, okay, that's forgivable. That's a game against the other division. But in your now you're playing Washington State. You can't keep losing these cross-division games. The Pac-12 South is wide open. It sucks. There's it's really no – Colorado might be the best team as really? of now, and they're not that good. So, for USC, the talent is still there. I'm with you. I think they cover. I expect them to win this game, not by 20. I think they'll win by like 10, maybe 8 to 10 points, and that will be good enough to cover and get the win.
0: What do you think, Matt, SC bounce back?
1: I think I think SC uh, bounced back because uh, this is the first team that they're facing that doesn't have a huge run attack. I mean, in the last couple of games – um, they, you know, they haven't. They Washington State hasn't been able to get a hundred yards out of one guy. So I think that that's kind of opening up at least a little bit of uh, relieving a little bit of pressure from USC's defense.
0: We'll see. That's going to be exciting Friday night at the Coliseum. All right, I got to talk to you, Matt, about this game because one of us is more confident than the other, and I'm a little surprised. <laughs> Michigan State on the road night game Indiana. The line's gone up to about five. I like Sparty in this game, and and, and I know you're going to say it's the history of of playing bad in Indiana, but I don't really respect history like most people, so I'm going to go with Michigan State here. Again, like USC, they need this game. They've already lost one that you thought they should have won, and if they lose this game, they are in for a long Big Ten conference slate.
1: Yes, if we lose this game, the season is going to suck. If we win this game, it's fine. We can kind of bounce back. Honestly, the playoffs aren't out of it if if they can just get back on track. But, I mean, you said it's it's a night game at Indiana, and we're favorites. I mean, all three of those things sound not fun to me. Um, but, uh, I, uh, you know what? I hope they cover by seven. If I had to guess, I think they cover by seven. But just Indiana's given us some fits over the past few years, uh, winning by some game-winning field goals. So we'll see what happens. But if uh, Sparty wants to make any kind of push at the end, they need to win this one.
2: Why is this a night game? That's the weird thing to me. I don't get I don't why know. this is a night game. <laughs> this should have been noon – Eastern, you know, Six, 9 a.m. 6 a.m. For us, Worst case, an afternoon game. Watch ESPN. Yeah, well, Big Ten Network yeah. for that matter, or just ESPN 2, whatever it is. But Indiana, they do play Michigan State tough a lot. And they frankly, as Matt said, though, this is a good Michigan State team. You find a way to win this game. I don't know if they cover. I would lean towards saying they do. I do like Lewerke a lot. I think that they have one of the best sets of receivers in the Big Ten. But their defense does have some questions. They played well against Arizona State. But I'm interested to see how they do against a Big Ten team that's familiar with them. This is a team they play every year. And generally, they have some success against Michigan State over the years in terms of close games, in terms of competition. But I would lean towards saying Sparty covers and they get the win. But I just again i don't know why it's at night it's just an odd one for me that indiana is hosting michigan state at night when it's not like a top five michigan state or an indiana team that's maybe four and two i mean they are undefeated right now but i really don't think that they get this win i i expect sparty to roll and start to move themselves back up in the top 25
1: is it indiana's homecoming do you know i wonder if it's that i don't i mean that I might know, be
0: but, yeah, yeah. And that, that's a good reasoning. I don't. I don't know. I. I. I haven't subscribed from the Indiana mailing list. So I don't know what the uh, homecoming schedule <laughs> is this year or who's going to even be queen. But I digress. Florida State. <laughs> Another team that has been in a world of trouble.
2: They're like my new favorite team this year. I get more enjoyment out of them. Than, <laughs> I get so much more enjoyment out of them than Notre Dame or Miami at this point. Notre Dame stresses me out. Miami still disappointed in week one. Florida state has just given me three and a half hours of solid, entertainment for the last three weeks. I know they beat Sanford, but that was a lot of fun to watch them nearly lose that game. So I'm like all in. Any Florida State game this year to me is like one of the most entertaining three and a half hours I'll get.
0: So they're minus ten against not the monsters of the Midway, but one of the one of the pedestrian Mac teams northern Illinois, who a lot of people think I don't want to say can outright win this game, but ten points, can Florida State cover ten against anybody? That theory is put to the test this week. Any chance that Northern Illinois makes this game a little more interesting than predicted?
2: Yeah, probably. They have a really good defense. They have Sutton Smith, who's an outside linebacker, end, who might go in day one, if not certainly day two of the NFL draft n- next year. And on top of it, they're one and two. So if you just look at record you would be a little bit confused. They're still potentially the favorite to win the MAC. They just have a really challenging out-of-conference where they've played Washington, they've played Utah, they've played good teams. Or, sorry, Iowa and Utah. So, overall, they're going to challenge Florida State. There's nothing about Florida State's DNA this year that makes me think that they're going to hold up at the line of scrimmage. So, I would take these points, and I would feel pretty good about it if I'm Northern Illinois. But... I don't know, maybe Florida State plays their best game all year, but this is an offense that's just going through so many problems. Gothard, you've watched Florida State a little bit, considering you bet Virginia Tech in every possible way on Labor Day night. Is there anything <laughs> about them that makes you think that they're going to just show up and play well offensively? I just I don't buy it at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to kind of differ on this one a little bit because I think Florida State is looking to make a – Statement, and I think ten points isn't going to be enough to pillow it if they get no. up. I don't think I don't think they're going to slow up. I think this is a home game, and this is a good chance to kind of get your team back on track, get banging on all cylinders. So I could see them running the score up on this one, maybe winning by twenty or more if they have a chance. Who knows? You might be right, Kent. Though I mean, I could see Northern Illinois even winning this game, but I think if Florida State gets a chance to run it up, they'll, they'll take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, this is certainly not my lock of the week or anything. But if you were just handing me ten plus <laughs> points right now, there's not many teams in the country I wouldn't take those points at the moment against FSU in that mm-hmm. humiliating backpack and <laughs> terrible offensive line and whatever else they're doing.
0: Willie Taggart's red zone offense. Yeah, if you could hit, cut ten points and the chance to root against Florida State, he's probably going to take it yes. every time. Oh yeah. On this on this week's edition of Gothard Fades Ohio State, how are you feeling? Thirty seven points to,
1: to Wayne. You know, Ohio State and me are becoming even worse friends because I need them just to lose one of these games. Um, but I—we're taking Ohio State on the Gold Rush this week, so <laughs> I'm not gonna—I'm oh, not oh. gonna play around. I'm not taking Tulane with 38 points. I think they're gonna cover this in the first quarter. Um, you know, I'll figure out a way to fi- uh, to handle this beef with Ohio State outside of losing money.
2: You're not buying into the turnover beads. I love the turnover beads. By the way, TCU did cover last week, so you're not necessarily losing every week. Yeah, It's just yeah. You know, but one I took or two the money line. Uh, well, okay, yeah, that's a little harder to. Greedy, justify.
0: you get greedy, you get caught, and you get careless. There. <laughs> if right? only they
2: didn't throw a forward pass on that kick return. Was
0: that the most blatant? <laughs> they threw the ball had like five yards. That was funny. Uh, I'm no, glad that they was. Tried. I, I, it was one of the yeah exactly. It was one of those where I thought thirteen was way too much, and it came down to it to twelve. So now,
2: Mitch, you're an Ohio State fan. I do have to ask this because offensively they look great, but defensively they don't look that good. Now they're great at getting to the quarterback, and I know Nick Bosa went down, and mm-hmm. I assume he'll be fine going forward. Yeah. But their defense is giving up a ton of big plays, and you still have Penn State on your schedule, a good, in my opinion, a good Michigan State team. You know you're going to go up against. Some good offenses. How do you feel about Ohio State's de- defense right now? I want to feel great about right. it.
0: Right, the secondary is not as good, and in a way, a lot of pretty much every Ohio State fan's been spoiled by the fact that they've just been pumping out first-round draft picks in that secondary. I think I think it's as you say they can, they can get to the quarterback, but when they don't, that's when big issues start to happen. So I'd be worried about teams with great offensive lines. If they can get to Penn State next week, I think they'll be fine. The plus side being they don't have Barkley this year, so it's not like they can just get gashed left and right by that all-world running back. So yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned, but they haven't really been full-on tested yet, so we have to kind of see when they play the Penn State, what that looks like.
2: TCU full-on tested them. I think if not for defensive touchdowns, I mean, yeah. the defense stepped up and made some touchdowns, but they put up a bunch of points. Uh, You know, generally speaking, I, I would say that that was a test. Now, if you mention no lines. Penn State's O-line is okay. Mm -hmm. Michigan State's has gone through some issues, and Michigan's is bad. So they might have that advantage there.
0: It's going to be a fun Big Ten slate. Here on Running With The Money, we're going to move along on some other games that we like and dislike. Clemson plays Georgia Tech this week, Matt, and we talked about over-unders. I know it's 17 points. We've been burned on the moneymaker by Clemson before. I'm kind of feeling this uh this under fifty one It's kind of just it's a little tasty to me because I don't know how Georgia Tech's going to be able to have success offensively against Clemson. They don't have a quarterback as dynamic as Texas A ms and I kind of like the under in this game.
1: yeah, I agree. I could see this even just being like thirty five to to ten, you know or, or something like that. like I, I totally agree with you on the under on that. Um, I'm not touching Clemson minus sixteen and a half on the road but I don't know if Georgia Tech has enough to actually score. I said that about Kentucky a couple of weeks ago when they lit up Florida, so uh, who knows?
0: Yeah, I'm going under there, and uh, I do want to bring up, we talked about a little bit, Kent, but Notre Dame and Wake Forest, 7.5 is just too low for me. I, I get. I think the better strategy is what you said, maybe take first or second half lines, because as poor as Notre Dame has looked at times, they still have a substantial talent advantage over Wake Forest. And if this line is under double digits, I'm not touching Wake Forest. I just don't believe that it's going to be that close.
2: Or, again, throw it into a teaser, make it 14-and-a-half, or a pick for that matter, basically if you're Notre Dame, and then all of a sudden that's a wide margin of error in that either Notre Dame wins and you're happy, or they it's within 14 and you feel really good about it. I would probably lean more towards putting up the points and go to the 14-and-a-half on that one. But Wake Forest is good offensively. I do think their defense has some real questions, and hopefully Notre Dame will be able to hit them deep, early, often, allow that running game to open up as the game goes on. But Wake Forest is going to score probably more than any offense has scored on Notre Dame this year. But I don't know. If somehow Wimbush is accurate downfield, then they probably do cover. But if he's inconsistent, and frankly, he's been pretty inconsistent on the road, really outside of the game last year at Michigan State, that's really the only road game he's played that like I really say he played like an A or B-plus performance. Outside of that, he's pretty average at best on the road, and that will probably mean with two minutes left in the game, I'm shaking my head and saying, damn it, this is close again? For the fourth straight week, why can't they just close this team out? That's probably more where I'm leaning. So I would take the points if you were going to have to force me to go one way or the other. I just don't feel like Notre Dame right now is that good, and so being a touchdown-plus favorite against a good offense, I don't buy it. Yeah,
0: I just think last week's performance is in the mind of a lot of people. Like if they
1: if they weren't as close, I think it would be closer to about 10 points if Andy didn't play him as tight down the stretch. As long as you're not betting on FanDuel, maybe the move is to uh is to live <laughs> bet this thing and just uh wait, you know, maybe Wake Forest gets up uh, 7 points early, you could get him a pick 'em and uh then I would jump on Notre Dame. Giants tickets though. I
0: mean, I just they got to be a better team than that.
1: <laughs> That's where i, I mean, I draw Come the line. on. You couldn't even sell those for $18. No,
0: right. no, no. Um, how about a game, though, guys, that is just going to be a great football game. And we can talk about the lines as well. Stanford and Oregon, I'm really looking forward to this one. A lot to be decided in the Pac-12. Stanford minus two on the road, over under, sitting at about 57 and a half. I think Oregon, they got Herbert, maybe the best cu- quarterback in the country this year in terms of pro potential. I like Stanford. I told you I was bullish on this team before the season start. I think they can go on the road and win this game. And I still kind of like the under in this one. I know 57.5 is a lot of points, but if Stanford's going to have success, and we talked about parlaying what you maybe think is going to happen, a team, how they're going to win and and how they're going to do it, I think Stanford gets ahead uses that big, offensive line and just bullies Oregon off the field. Kent, I'm really into Stanford the more I look at this game.
2: I think Stanford wins the game as well. The over under, I just don't have a good grasp on that in this game, but for Stanford, we have seen what they do in these type of games over the years. We have evidence. With Oregon, Mario Cristobal is a new head coach there, took over in the Las Vegas Bowl, struggled in that one, but you can't really put the blame on a coach in a bowl game. But then this year, they've looked pretty impressive. With Stanford, The one thing I like about them is their defense has been better than I would have anticipated, and they have a real pass game. KJ Costello's probably the best passing quarterback they've had since Andrew Luck. Our Sega Whiteside, who's one of their top receivers, is great. They have, like, three or four tight ends that will all get NFL looks. It's not just Bryce Love. And then there's Bryce Love, who you can hand the ball off to, and he'll break some carries. That's just the way he plays. For Oregon, it's a lot of potential, but I haven't necessarily seen the answers yet. So – if you're going to say basically a pick on the road, and if you're going to bet this game, you bet it on the money line either way. I don't know why you would bet minus two or plus two. Mm-hmm. Take the team to win outright. I'm with you. I think Stanford wins. They probably win by a touchdown or so, and I would feel pretty good about them going on the road in Eugene and getting the win.
1: I'm taking, I'm taking Oregon. I'm buying the, nope. I'm buying the point and doing uh, Oregon plus three because this is Stanford's first road game. Both of these teams have just played at home. I think that the home field advantage is going to play a little bit more into this than people are thinking. I like Stanford, but I don't think that they're unstoppable. So that's, that's okay. what I'm going with.
0: Oregon, we'll see. Oregon's got an explosive offense. Well, they did give up, I think, 22 to San Jose State. So we'll we'll see. This is going to be a good game as well.
2: And hopefully they're not wearing those awful uniforms. What they wore last week, black uniforms uh, with yeah. like highlighter green, and the numbers are like as big as the overall jersey. Those uniforms are just bad. And I understand they're always trying to be ahead of the curve and do creative things. And for a while, I kind of liked some of their uniforms. <laughs> These ones, yeah. they're about as bad as they've looked in a long time. I think Phil
0: Knight. You know, heads rolled when he saw that. You know. I
2: think he's like doing acid and then he's giving the prints to Nike and going, let's do these. And they're all like, well, okay, but these are going to look pretty bad, dude. And he's like, I don't care.
0: Uh, whatever. I've made enough money. I'm just going to just, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: all right. Let's he's put like, a my son made this one. <laughs> one. Yeah. Let's put a pin in another one that I think could be an interesting line. Florida and Tennessee. We talked over-unders. I, I just It's 47. I think both these offenses are going to struggle. I don't think either of these teams are good. And I like the under here. I have no read on who's going to actually win this game. But if you're going to look at this one, I think under is the way to go.
2: This is just an avoid game for me altogether. I don't have a good feel for either team. I guess Florida at home, I would pick them to win the game. But it wouldn't shock me if In Florida Tennessee. puts up 30, if Tennessee puts up 30. Yeah, I just... I think the one thing about Florida is I I have more faith in Dan Mullen as a head coach than I do Jeremy Pruitt at this point. I know what Dan Mullen's done in the past. I think he'll turn out to be good there. They just might not be good this year, but like Gothard, I don't know if Tennessee's going to score 30 or 35 or if they're going to put up three or five. And for Florida, maybe Florida gets 27. Maybe they get 15. It's just a weird game. To me, this is out of a lot of the matchups we've gone over. I personally don't have any feel for this game outside of I would pick the Gators to win probably close
1: I'd probably just take honestly just because I wouldn't watch this game the only way I would watch this game is if I took Tennessee's money line at home so I'd probably take that just because the money's better
2: the only way you know Saturday you're gonna be texting us going I took Tennessee's money line it's gonna happen yeah I I took Tennessee
1: money line cashed out (laughs) Michigan State lost it all at Indiana (laughs) yeah
0: the the highs and lows that's that's version two of Matt Gothard one to three Uh, is oh yeah, yes. I took this and, uh, and I, <laughs> then I lost it. What do we think about Will Greer at home against the Kansas State team that's already been embarrassed a couple times this year? Sixteen points is a lot, but K State just doesn't seem to have it this year. Can Will the Thrill Greer cover against the White
2: Walker? Probably. They have one of the best offenses in the country, and Will Greer puts up a ton of points. It's in Morgantown. 16s a lot, and we know Kansas State at least once, if not twice a year, rises to the occasion and beats somebody they shouldn't or almost upsets somebody they shouldn't. Maybe this is that game. But if West Virginia goes out and takes care of business, I like their chances. The other bet I kind of really like in this one is the first half line because if you look at it, maybe K-State rallies in the second half and it's somewhat close. But this is a 16-point line, so you're going to probably get – eight or eight and a half for the first half line, I can see West Virginia being up twenty one seven or twenty four to ten. And then maybe it closes in and they don't cover the row line. But in the first half, I expect, especially after what turned out to be a bye week, they canceled the NC state mm-hmm. game, they're hungry. Like they yeah. want to get out there, they want to play. Holgerson's probably been like in some cavern the last nine or ten days, just like, you know, just like dying to get out and be like, yeah, okay, we we want to put Thirty points on the board in the first half, and if they do it, they're going to cover. So I'll go WVU first half line in this game.
0: Yeah, he really does look like um, kind of like uh, Roy Munson a little bit from Kingpin.
2: A lot. <laughs>
0: it's uh, but oddly enough, the hair full over is like bigger than McCracken, so he's like a hybrid of those two characters. Yeah, great point. They didn't play last week. They're hungry. They're healthy, and K State's. I don't think can be able to match them. So this is really if, if they're clicking on all cylinders offensively. They're going to cover this game. I think that's where we're at there. First half line is a good pick as well. Is it time, Matt, to relegate? Is it time to relegate Arkansas? 30 point underdogs against Auburn. And really, just they got destroyed by North Texas last week. I think they're one of the worst, if not maybe even the worst, Power Five team. 30 points is a lot against a pissed off Auburn team. But Arkansas is terrible. So I would probably not bet this game. But if I had to pick, I'd take an Auburn.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Auburn too. I think kind of just like I said earlier, I think Auburn is looking to take a little bit of anger out and I think what better way to do it than against the Razorbacks. So, uh I mean, I I feel like this could be one of those games where they end up kicking a field goal at the end of the game just to score a point and it's 30 to 3 or something, but um I I would take Auburn.
0: Yeah, I think it's just at a point now where Auburn is the Auburn is going to come out. They blew that game down the stretch. Had a chance to win. This is their statement game. This is also where Melzon almost went to coach. So I think he's going to enjoy putting it on Arkansas as much.
1: You know, real quick fact, actually, now that I'm seeing on ESPN, I just was looking at this game. $8 is how much a ticket costs to go to the game at Auburn. So maybe hmm. maybe they are going to come out down. You know, that that crowd's not going to be going crazy. 2,500 tickets available. I don't know. That's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. That's true. I mean, not exactly the must-see game of the year, but in any event, it is college football. We always get criticized here on Running With the Money. Uh, I have a little bit of not you know, betting and taking enough points and and really looking at an underdog team. There's one line that I kind of do like the points, and Kent, I like 14 points for Texas Tech against Oklahoma State. I think that is two touchdowns. I think they can keep it relatively close with that offense. I know OK State put it on Boise last week in a very impressive win, but when I watched that game I saw some blunders, some special team issues, some chunk plays that may or may not happen every week. I like Tech to keep it close. Not to win the game. Don't want to go that far, but I'll take 14 points Texas
2: Tech. I can see that. Oklahoma State's coming off a huge win. Their defense looked great last week, so maybe the defense is much improved and Tech just can't match them. I'm going to do you one better. A team I love the points on this week, 17 and a half up in Seattle, Arizona State at Mm. Washington. That's a lot of points for two teams, as I said earlier, that play good defense and on top of it a Washington team that doesn't necessarily look to put up 40-plus in a game. If they're up 30-13 to late, I don't think they're really looking to add on. I expect this to be within 10, and therefore Arizona State to have a fairly solid cover. So that's my, if you're looking for just taking double-digit points, Arizona State, I'll take Sparky, Herm Edwards, Wilkins, Hill, Harry—those guys are playmakers. I think it's. I think it would be a relatively close game. And if you can give me seventeen and a half points to start this game, I feel pretty good about Arizona State.
0: What say you, Matt? Any double-digit I, I, dogs?
1: Well, I was about to just jump in there right now and say that I would definitely take Washington because I think I think Arizona Ooh. State. Was had the benefit of playing Michigan State at night, on the road, at home in a, a extreme temperatures that they 're not used to. They sneak out a win by three points. all of a sudden, the national perception of Arizona State is they're a good team and that they can hang with teams. Then they lose to San Diego State. I think Washington's going to blow them out and they're going to come back we're going to kind of figure out exactly who this Arizona state team is. I haven't been impressed at all by watching them, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just because I'm a little salty, but I would take Washington even up to twenty. While the
0: moneymaker plot thickens, cannot agree so far. I like it, though. Uh, one of these <laughs> weeks, we're going to get to it. Um, I do, while we're talking about games that I have no feel for, Texas-TCU, I really don't know what to do with this one.
2: I like Texas. How I either. think Texas wins this game. Okay. I expect them to go out, play well, continue to build off what they did last week in the second half, and TCU put so much energy into that game last week and probably could have had a better chance of winning it if they don't make some key mistakes and now they have to go down to Austin. It's going to be a challenge. And I like this Texas defense. Offensively, they're still a work in progress. But TCU, I know, I understand a lot of their kids don't get recruited by UT. That Therefore, they end up in Fort Worth. That's starting to not be the trend anymore. TCU's been established now under Gary Patterson for over a decade, especially when they joined the Big 12. They've been, outside of one year, they've been very good. But I think Texas, with Tom Herman, continues to build up his brand. And unlike the way they looked in Week 1, where they played that emotional Maryland team, you know, the player died, they had all the honors before the game, I think they were riled up and jacked up for it. I think Texas comes in, proves a point, gets back in the top 20, and wins this game and looks good. It's going to test that old theory,
0: that that old Isaac Newton, I think, theory. Can you be a good college football team and still lose to Maryland? Maybe. I mean, Texas could be the first team to do it. So, that's yeah, TCU's defense is going to keep them in this game. But I think if I had to say I'd pick Texas, but I don't have a real feel for this game. I think this is going to be a dogfight and could go either way. Um, One game that I think won't be a dogfight, not really pun intended, but maybe. I don't know. Georgia, Missouri. 14 point favorites for Georgia on the road. Missouri, biggest scrape of the weekend was how they didn't cover that spread last week. How they went on like a, they were up 27 to 10, six point favorites against Purdue, let Purdue back into the game, had the ball in a tie game with about two minutes left, and did the right football play, but not the right gambling play, just set up for the game winning field goal. So
2: That's Missouri, though. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> there's a reason why they're an average program. I think Georgia beats the crap out of them. This is one of the ones I'm leaning towards. I don't know if you guys want to maybe do Moneymaker. I understand it's in Columbia. But Georgia looks to be the second best team in the country. They were very close to winning the national championship last year. And they look to be maybe a better team this year. Missouri, you know, they're probably a 7 or 8 win team. They're not bad. They're not great. And you're going to only say two touchdowns? I'll take that. So I like Georgia to cover pretty easily. I think they win this by more than 20. And it wouldn't shock me if they get up in the 50s. And if they get in the 50s, again, it's kind of like last week's Ole Miss game. Does Mizzou score 30 points or 35 points? I don't know if they will. So I really like Georgia in this one. What about you, Gothard?
1: Lock it in. Georgia minus 14. I'm down with that for moneymaker if you guys want. 64. I, well, I, we'll, we'll, we will discuss. 64 and a half.
0: I do like Georgia to cover this, but that's the over-under 64-and-a-half. So if Locke can put up some points with how bad Mizzou's defense has been, that's a good one as well. Before we get to the moneymaker, I do want to ask you guys if there's any, we'll call it, this is the, uh, the Kansas Rutgers Memorial, if there's any just terrible games that you guys have a feel for, and uh, then I'll give mine as well. But what do you think, Kent? Well,
2: before well, that, though, we have to cover, and Gothard and I have been on this team since yeah. the summer, Iowa. Yeah, Iowa's going to beat Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Iowa Iowa looks good. Their defense is ranked second in the country. They've. I mean, look what – last week, Iowa State showed up and put up a bunch of points on Oklahoma. You know who they didn't put points mm-hmm. up on? Iowa. Iowa's at home. It's a night game at Kinnick. Wisconsin kind of proved who they were last week, which is not necessarily a fraud, but a team that's so one-dimensional mm-hmm. that they can't rally back if they're down late. And I think Iowa – I know – I wish it would have been like 7.5 or 8 – Wisconsin doesn't blow it last week, but I would take the money line on the Hawkeyes. I feel very good about them winning this game this week, and the money line's about plus 135 or plus 140. But Gothard and I have been on Iowa from the start, and if they win this game, they not only have a good chance to win the Big Ten West, but they have a chance to beat in the national conversation. And I know Matt bet them to win the Big Ten West before the year. I picked them to win over 7.5 and loved it. I really think the Hawkeyes can make a statement here.
0: I'm taking the Badgers. Just want to point that out. No yeah. offense. But I think they bounce back and win this game. Go ahead, Matt, though. Tell me why I'm wrong.
1: It's the defense, man. The I Iowa's defense is for real. They're able to they're able to keep them in any game, I think. And also at home, they're undefeated. That crowd is gonna go nuts. That's the pro team of that state. So it's just this is one of the biggest rivalries for them. I think that they're gonna show up in force. They just They've beaten all the other rivals, Iowa State. You and I, obviously, those aren't as good as Wisconsin. But like Ken says, I think that people over overestimate Iowa just because the name. So I, I'd take the money line too. We'll see how this one plays out.
0: We will, we will. And also, just want to address the will Alabama cover again this week. I think that so. weekly segment. <laughs> yes, I mean it's four touchdowns, but yeah, unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah,
2: probably like a 47-14 to 14 sort of game, or maybe 43-14. to 14. I, I don't think they cover easily this week. It's probably somewhat of a challenge, but they're at home. Texas A&M is not going to be as good as they looked against Clemson. I think Kellen Mond is okay. He was lighting up. A lot of those Clemson plays that they completed downfield were 50-50 jump balls. You don't complete those against six foot two cornerbacks like Alabama has. You can get away with that against Clemson, and their corners are okay. Alabama has five stars on that back end. I know they're raw, meaning they haven't played enough football to absolutely know their shutdown, but Trayvon Diggs was out there making plays last week. Uh, Patrick Sertan, Jr. was out there making plays. If you look at it, Savion Smith, I believe, either had a touchdown or a big interception. Alabama's secondary is loaded with young talent, and I think they're going to show up and rise to the occasion. So I do like them to cover, not by 30 or 40 like last week, but they probably cover by 2 to 7 points.
0: Yeah. We'll see. It should be it
2: should be fascinating. The cheat code continues to prevail. Is Jalen Hurts,
1: do we know if Jalen Hurts is still active or is he, are they saving his one more game? How does that all work? Does he have to set out after the first four or can yeah, he play four? I've...
2: At this point, it looks like he's just going to keep playing because he played a lot last week. And you got to think, if they're going to save his redshirt, they probably don't have him play games two and three against inferior competition. So, therefore, it kind of looks like maybe he'll just play it out. He'll make the transfer and he'll have one year somewhere else as opposed to two. I don't see – it'd be odd if all of a sudden now – they put the clamps on him and just save him for, like, a title game. So it's a little bit odd, but he's out there willing and dealing. so I, I assume he's going to keep playing yeah, at this that's point.
0: That's what it looks like. Not okay. shutting it down, okay. still taking the field. Lastly, before the moneymaker, I did want to go deep dive games, anything. Troy, got to bring that up, Ken. I almost forgot. On them so yeah, early. <laughs> Troy's <and then> good. <laughs> right. They're a good team. <laughs> on them so early, and then you don't bet them last week, and they beat a Big Ten team. But –
2: Neil Brown, he's a good coach. He's probably going to be a Power 5 head coach. Oh, yeah. And maybe the North Carolina job opens, and it's between him and Satterfield from App State. There's a bunch of good coaches in the Sun Belt that could make a difference. And, yeah, Troy was impressive. For me, I'm just kind of looking down the list right now. Oh, here's one for you. Buffalo at Rutgers. You talk about Rutgers. Buffalo's a five-point favorite. They have one of the best receivers in the country. (laughs) They probably have one of the better passing games in the country. They're undefeated. Rutgers looks I don't know what you I don't know what's worse than lifeless, but Rutgers looks that way. They look like a zombie that can't wake up. So I'll take Buffalo minus five at Rutgers. They're going at a Big Ten school and I'm giving the points to the Big Ten school that shows you how bad Rutgers is. So I'll go Buffalo in the deep dive.
0: I was gonna say <laughs> yeah, Rutgers getting destroyed by Kansas <laughs> last week too. That just says it all. I love Vandy. Money line home. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs in South Carolina. And I'm also willing to say on the road to cover. I know they burned me last week, but I think Boston College touchdown favorites goes into Purdue and handles oh, business. They're a solid dude, team. Just, I think they're a solid team that's going to make that that ACC division interesting. So those are my two to look out for. Matt, what about you as far as deep dives go?
1: Well, I was about to say Purdue is coming to – they're going to come back this week. This oh, is the week for okay. Purdue. I'm with they're, you. I, I'm, I'm and Moneyline, I think that they're going to beat this Boston College team. They've lost two weeks to a game-winning field goal and then to Northwestern by four. I think this is a home game. This is a chance to kind of save some bit of this season. And I don't think Boston College is that good. We'll see. But uh, I would take the money line on this. I think Purdue bounces back.
2: I like BC. I had them ranked right outside my top 25 preseason. You know I love A.J. Dillon. I talked about getting him at 40-1 to 1 Heisman odds before the year. He's one of the best running backs in the country. I think Purdue doesn't win, but I do like them plus the seven. I expect them to stick around. This is a team, as Gothard just said, they've lost three games by a combined eight points, I believe. That shows that they're competitive. That shows they're not really an 0-3 caliber team. It was like Notre Dame a few years ago. They went 4-8, and eight, but seven of those eight losses were by a touchdown or less. Sometimes bad teams lose but they don't necessarily always get blown out. That's kind of the way I see Purdue. So I expect BC to win, just not to cover on that one. But right. I like, I mean, overall, I think BC is a pretty good team. And they're passing the football much better than anticipated right now. They've been one of the more efficient passing teams in the country.
0: All right, it's that time. Running with the money. Moneymaker pick. Aga. It has to be? I mean, okay. Arthur
2: and I are buying into Georgia. Right. Do you buy?
0: Okay. I buy into Georgia. Okay. I, um, I, I worry about... No, I mean, I'm down to ride with this one. My only concern is that Drew can put up points on this team, and will Georgia build that 20-plus point lead and then take the starters out? So will Fields be able to play in this game and do well?
2: How many points? Okay, I want to break this down kind yeah. of on a math because ultimately, again, this is about investment. This is about numbers. How many points do you think Georgia scores? I think Georgia gets at least 40. Do we agree on that, all of us?
0: Yeah, 30,
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. At least You so said that, at least 40, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So that
2: means Mizzou has to score 27 just to cover. At the, at the minimum, mm-hmm. they have to score 27. Yeah. Are they really scoring 35 against this Georgia defense or t- or over 30? I highly doubt it. Okay. You talked
0: me in. Take See? my money. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Take Let's my do money. A money. It's money maker. anyway Let's go Georgia. Right now. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. We'll do it. We'll yeah, do we're up. Exactly. We're up right now. We're on Let's Oga.
0: Go. Murano gonna win this game by more than fourteen. And we 14 just talked boxing.
2: We can root for Elijah Holyfield now. The, he's one of the two running backs at Georgia. It's, oh. it's DeAndre Swift, Elijah right. Holyfield, and is Delvin Cook. One Cook's of Evander's
0: twenty-five kids.
2: Yeah, he might even have more than that. But uh, <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, he was. He was in the crowd last week. He was cheering on his son. And I think this ends up being Georgia by twenty plus. So I, I love this number. And you know, we're picking the number two team in the country. Last week we picked the number one team. We're picking some good teams to ride.
0: Mm. yeah all right man we're, we're riding with georgia to beat mizzou by a lot we're riding with lock Ugar. it in lock it in money maker is set hope you guys out there enjoyed the show before i let you guys go it's been a pleasure as always other non-college football betting stories we touched on the boxing match nfl's been wild and wacky a lot of big losses in my friend circle this week. I know that.
2: I said with boxing, I said last week, take the over 11 and a half rounds. You never trust the game going to the scorecards when it comes to boxing. It is a fixed Cano sport. Canelo was
0: plus 500 going into the 12th round. Right. It's a body. fixed
2: sport. Take the over. <laughs> Always trust that it will get screwed up on the scorecards. I remember definitively years ago betting Timothy Bradley to beat Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao. And I texted my bookie and said... Yeah, man, I lost this one. And then two minutes later, he won the match, and he texted back, no, you didn't. And I just laughed and said, yeah, I mean, that's boxing for you. Sometimes you never know who's going to win, but a lot of the times if it's a close fight, trust that it will go to the scorecards and take those over on the rounds. And that's what happened there. We're probably going to get one, if not two more rematches between Triple G and Canelo, and that's how they make all their money.
0: Any NFL beats, Matt, you want to look at before we sign off?
1: Sorry, I couldn't hear you guys. The money is in the way, and I need to just move it to get my headphones. Okay. But were you saying that Canelo definitely won that 12th round?
0: <laughs> no, Triple G definitely won that 12th round. And I think
1: <laughs> that's the part. Okay. That's good.
0: Congratulations. Enjoy your night. You won that match. No, was, I'm just uh, kidding. Boring. I got
1: so lucky. I got so lucky. I cannot believe that they gave that 12th round. I was watching that, watching the match with Alex, my wife, and uh, she was like, well, that was fun. And she got up and wa- like was about to walk away. And then they're like a new, you know, a new champion or however they say it in boxing because it's like the second boxing match I've ever watched, and uh, I just, I just felt bad, man. I felt bad. It was fun winning, but I do feel bad for people that had money on Triple G because I do think he had a, he, he looked good out there. So, there's my, there's my two cents. I don't have a yeah. degenerate story this week.
0: They, uh, yeah, they're gonna. I mean, and, and I thought cross dressing was Oscar De La Hoya's lowest moment, but apparently that's not. I.
2: A low to who? That might not be a low at all as far as he's
0: concerned. Can I Yeah, it's a very good counterpoint. Can I just give one last shout out to for the first time in years, the Cleveland Browns are favorite in an NFL game?
2: Yeah, we're hey. recording this Thursday morning. I actually do think by if you listen to this on Friday, I expect the Cleveland Browns to get a win and be one one and one on the season, which puts them technically over five hundred because of that tie. So, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's it's a new world.
0: It's a new world. It's crazy. They are going to riot. Do, you
2: know? The
0: Bud Light fridge is going to be open. And in uh, closing, Kent, you may have been right. Ben Roethlisberger may have owed money to people <laughs> because the way he plays is good one second. It's well, just utterly terrible. Last events. week
2: it was more the entire Steelers defense owing money to somebody. <laughs> and they clearly owed a lot because they could not. Patrick Mahomes is back there looking like, Joe Montana and Steve Young mixed with Tom Brady's pocket presence. The guy was incredible, and it's a weird year so far in the NFL. We've had some some weird stuff happening, and you know you have certain teams that look about the way we thought. But there's a lot of teams. Tampa, for instance, who would have thought that Deshaun Jackson is looking like Deshaun Jackson of 2010 this year? So uh, there's some there's some lines out there that are there for the taking. Of those first two weeks that just were way off,
0: way way off. Well, guys, it was a pleasure kent thanks for stopping by in studio matt thanks for calling in this was running with the money we'll see you next week hopefully a little richer gotta get that percentage up on the money maker we're going for three for four but guys pleasure as always until next time safe betting out there
1: good luck everyone